Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless the family of faith. It is an awesome day in the Lord. Good to see everybody. Such wonderful people have come together. Amen. What an awesome day it is. Amen. Anybody here ready for the word of the Lord? We're going to get into some things today. Can I encourage you just for a moment to not worry about the gang today? <laughs> Listen, I know there's a lot going on this evening. Maybe you've got plans. Maybe there's things going on. Maybe, maybe you've got stuff at your job that's left undone and you're fretting going into work on Monday. Or maybe there's things happening in your life right now. Maybe you got a bad report from a, from a, from a doctor, from an attorney, from the IRS. Can I encourage you to put that aside because God's got a word for you. And listen, if you get that word, it'll take care of every single thing in your life. Will you trust that? Listen, let's do this today. We are going to get into the word of the Lord today. And there's going to be a lot of things being said. I pray today, above all, you allow the word to be for you. Amen. You allow the word to be exactly for you, what it's meant to do for you. Amen. So let's do this. Let's stand. We're going to read the word of the Lord for a minute here. I know uh, we've been experiencing a wonderful time of worship today, and I can, I can discern the presence of the Spirit of God here. Amen. I don't know if you can discern it, but I can discern it, and I know God is in the midst of us. We've been in a marvelous series. I believe next Sunday I'm going to be able to conclude our series, uh, this series entitled Thy Will Be Done, and we're going to get into some some things in the month of November and even December that I believe are going to be a blessing to you. But we've been in a series entitled, Thy Will Be Done. And today I'm going to be sharing, actually picking up where we left off last week, but I'm going to be sharing a little bit about the kingdom of heaven in a message entitled, Seen or Unseen, Seen or Unseen. And we're going to talk about that today. Some of you were with me last Sunday. You remember we left off here with, with Elijah at Mount Carmel. He calls down fire from heaven. And I'm going to pick up right there. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me now to 1 Kings chapter 19. And we'll start at verse 39 just to give a little preface to where we left off. Of course, fire has fallen from heaven. and How amazing is that? And we know that, that even something even more amazing is going to happen in that Elijah is about to send rain. He's about to send the rain. And I just want you to hear this story. We're going to read a little bit in through uh, 1 Kings 19, uh, down a little ways. I want to say that maybe down to verse 9 or so, and we'll end it there. But I want you to hear this together today as we get into the word of the Lord. It begins like this, 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 39. This, of course, is after the fire consumed the altar. Notice what happens here, verse 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face, and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Now watch how this develops. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. There is a sound of abundance of rain. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, there's the sound of abundance of rain. Yeah, and we're going to speak that prophetically. Amen. This is amazing. Notice what happens is there is a sound of abundance of rain. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and cast down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea, and he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. 
And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven, the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me. More also, if I not make thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Notice verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose. And went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, there an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coils and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went, to the, and went on the strength of that meat. Forty days and forty nights unto Horeb the mountain of God. Now watch what happens. And he arose thither into a cave. And he came thither, pardon me, thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, hear this, the word of the Lord came unto him. He said unto Elijah, listen to this, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Ah, y'all ready? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this glorious morning. We thank you for strength, vitality that met us. We thank you, Father, for it was not by our power that we rose up from our bed, but by the power of the Spirit of God. We thank you for the ability and the strength, vitality we have that we might enter into your house that while we're here, we might glean from you, hear your words, that we might be inspired of the Spirit of God to go out and walk those things given to us by God. Holy Spirit, move perfectly. Move upon the family of faith. Move in us. Move through us as we move through this message, this series. Thy will be done. Father, let it be done in us. We pray your help and strength today as we move forward. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, I want you to I want you to go find somebody you don't recognize. Go hug somebody. This is what I want you to tell them. Ask them this question. What are you doing here this morning? Go ask somebody. Say, what are you doing here this morning? Yeah, yeah, go ask them. Go ask them. What are you doing here this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody that's here, guests and friends alike. Amen. It's so nice to have you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Ah, somebody. What are you doing here? Are you asking your neighbor? What are you doing here this morning? What are you doing here? 
That's a good question. What are you doing here? How beautiful is the family of faith. Amen. So good to see the people of God greeting each other in the Lord. Amen. How awesome that is. today that I have your undivided attention primarily because what I'm about to share with you is paramount in your faith with God I, I pray that you're not here believing that just because you said the sinner's prayer that you're going to heaven I pray that you understand the kingdom of God you say preacher why would you say something like that well let me put it to you like this the way Jesus said it Jesus says, not everybody that cometh unto me, saying, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. But only he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Brother and sister, you have to do the will of God. Oddly, when we speak about the will of God, when we say thy will be done, most people will just shrug their shoulders at it. Well, of course God's will will be done. He's God. Most of us have never bothered to investigate that there's more than one will of God. There is the sovereign will of God. This is the will that God's going to do because he's God. There's things that God's going to do because he's God and he's a creator of all things. That he does and acts upon himself and does what he so pleases to do. It's called the sovereign will of God. It will be accomplished because God's going to do it of himself. Then there's the will of command, right? We, got, we know the will of command. We've got verses in the Bible that tell us exactly what God wants to do. Do you know that the Bible says that we should give thanks in everything? For this is the will in Christ Jesus concerning you. How many know today that the will of God is your sanctification, that you be separated? For this is the will of God concerning you. We know these wills, but I didn't come today to talk about the sovereign will of God, nor did I come today to talk about the will of command. What I've come to talk about is God's particular will, what God wants to do in you. Will you look at your neighbor and say, God wants to do something with you. It's particular to you. He wants to do it in you. There's some things that God wants to do in your life. Don't look at me, baby. Look at yourself. I'm going to tell you like Michael Jackson, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Yeah, you, you, you got to know that God wants to do something about you. I've come today to talk to you about God's will in your life. So that you wouldn't be here saying, oh, I wish my auntie was here and my cousin was here. They'd get this message right. This is for you this morning. God wants to speak to you. So I'm going to start here. Last week we got into a conversation about what I call the isms of God. Do you know that God is? Uh, part of the isms we learn at, at Exodus 3 where God appears to Moses and, and Moses says, Lord, if I'm going to go back and tell the people what you're about to do, they're going to ask the first thing. The first thing they're going to ask me is, what's your name? And God said, go back and tell them this, I am that I am. In other words, I will always be what I have always been right now. Will somebody say right now? Look at your neighbor and say, God is right now. Right now. Right now. God is right now. The isms of God. That God reveals himself in present tense because God is always here. He's always present. So present the Bible says that he's, he, he's, he's, he's closer, right, than a brother. 
He's your ever-present help in your time of need. He's now. Do you say that to yourself? God is now. The isms of the Lord are revealed like this. Did you know that God is love? He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Did you know that God is love? The very definition of love is derived of God himself. Do you know that the way that we perceive the isms of God, the way that we identify God through his isms, through the present tense of God, is how we worship God? Do you know today that the primary function of the Spirit of God in your life is to produce a love for God and a love for each other? That we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind and love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus said, this new commandment give I unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is, this is the expression of the isms. And in fact, will you do me a favor? Will you open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3? Can, can I read something to you? Ephesians 3, I just want you to quote. I don't even know what verse it is. Ephesians 3. In fact, let me look at it. Ephesians 3. Let me just give you this because this was in my spirit all week, and I know somebody needs to hear this because my fear for the church is though we relate to God as love, my fear is that you're not rooted and grounded in it. Uh, Ephesians 3.16. This is what it says. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Are you there? Ephesians 3.16. That he would grant you according to the riches of glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, what? Being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the depth, what is the height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge. What does the Bible say? That you might be filled, watch this, with all the fullness of God. How many want to be filled with all the fullness of God? I want the fullness of God. I want the full meal deal, right? I, 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 when I go to Whataburger, I say, Can't, what a size that for me, would you? I want the full meal deal. Did you know that God is a consuming fire? Did you know the most quoted ism in all of the scriptures that your God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God? And everywhere God identifies himself, he identifies himself as such. He is a consuming fire. In fact, the Bible says he's, he's a jealous God. The Bible says he's hot enough to boil. Your God is jealous for you. Did you know that your God is light? This is what the beloved said. This is the message we have heard of him. And we declare it unto you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. Uh, this is the first revelation. If you've read your Bible, if you've ever decided to read your Bible, the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, God reveals himself that way. God said, let there be light. Let there be revelation. Somebody say revelation. Let there be truth. This is important because it's by this light that the world perceives God. Do you know today that with the absence of your, the light of God in your life, they will not see God? Let me say that one more time. Did you know that in your absence, without the light of God, people will not see God? Uh, let me reveal it to you like this. Some of y'all giving me that blank stare like, what are you talking about, preacher? Let me reveal it to you. Jesus says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. 
Neither do men light a candle and hide it on a bushel, but what on a candlestick, that it giveth light to all that are in the house. Jesus says this, so let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Light produces good works. Let me say that one more time. Light produces good works. The revelation of God in your life will produce good works. You need to say that real slowly. The light of God will produce good works in me. Will you look at your neighbor right now and just say, the light of God will produce good works in you. The light of God. Light of God. You got to catch this, baby. You got to get this down in your spirit. It's the light of God that produces good works in your life. The light of God. Here's the problem. How, how, many, how many remember the story of Jesus with the woman at the well? She was concerned about how to worship God. So she asked Jesus, Jesus, listen, we've got a problem here. Are we supposed to worship on Mount Gerizim or are we supposed to worship on Mount Zion in Jerusalem? And Jesus says, listen, it's not about where you worship. It's how you worship. In fact, Jesus says, the hour has come and now is, catch this, when true worshipers, somebody say true worship. Touch your neighbor and say, are you a true worshiper? He says, when true worshipers shall worship the Father, watch this, in spirit in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. So God is looking for true worshipers who learn how to worship him in spirit and in truth. And then we get another ism. Check this out. God is a spirit. Y'all missed that. <laughs> Y'all missed that. Let me, let me do that one more time. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote the whole thing for you. He says, the hour is coming now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. In other words, you're going to have to worship the thing you cannot see. Oh, I just said something. <laughs> I just said something. I blew your head up with that. You're going to have to learn how to worship into the thing that you cannot see. I'll explain to you like this. How many know that when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, I believe this is St. John 18. Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, and, and, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, are you asking me? Are you asking me? Because they asked you to ask. And he says, am I a Jew? Your people delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus says, know this. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, listen, my kingdom is not from here. Because you see, if it was from here, then would my servants come to fight and deliver me? Right? But just know, Pontius Pilate, my kingdom's not from hence. The kingdom of heaven is not here. Did you know that the preaching of Jesus, and I'm so amazed that we live in a culture that doesn't know what Jesus preached. Jesus did not go around telling people, believe in my name, repeat this prayer, and you're saved. Jesus preached this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the preaching of Jesus. What was he saying? Repent, because the kingdom, the unseen, is going to be made seen in your life. That. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, as John taught his disciples, Lord, teach us. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Watch this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth 
as it is in heaven. In other words, he's saying you're going to have to pray to see something so that you might make revelation here on earth. It's called light. Somebody say, that's called light. What you need in your life is revelation. You will never do the will of God absent of revelation in your life. I'm amazed that I live in a culture of Christians who know what not to do. Let me say that one more time. I live in a church in a generation now of people who know what not to do. I'm not living in a church that knows what to do. And there's the distinction here today. That listen, some of you, when you do something, maybe you got in an argument, maybe you did something you shouldn't have done, and the Spirit of God brings conviction. Anybody ever experienced conviction? It's just us five? Okay, so a few more hands went up. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let me say, I'm not trying to be funny. If you don't have any conviction, you're not saved. Every hand should have went up. I get convicted. Anybody ever say something you shouldn't have said, and the Spirit of God comes and say, you shouldn't have said that. And you knew you shouldn't have said it because he was telling you to shut your mouth five minutes before you got in that conversation, right? He already told you, shut your mouth. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking about you on that one. I know you, you, you are always sticking your foot in your mouth. Right? Yeah, yeah, I got everybody on that one. It's called conviction. How many of you know sometimes we think things and he's saying, we don't think that way? You better put that thought out of your mind. It's amazing we know all of that. It's amazing we know what not to do, but then when we go out in the world, we don't know what we should be doing. It's called righteousness. We should be doing right. Revelation brings light that produces good work so that people might see God. So that the unseen is now made seen because the people are operating through revelation. Brother and sister, listen, if you want to make heaven, you need revelation in your life. And I think there's just a lot of us absent of that. I want you to hear that the will of God, the will of God, your, the particular will of God in your life is unseen. Is unseen. Will you say that? It's unseen. God's not going to write you a big letter and tell you what to do tomorrow. He's not going to tell you what clothes to put on. I've met people say, Pastor, I got up and the Spirit of the Lord told me to wear a red tie. I said, man, you, you're deep, brother. I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't even get into them. That's, that, that's a height I don't even know. All I know is I have clothes in my closet, and I put this ensemble together. Do I look nice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wear my bow tie. Y'all know I like wearing bow ties. You know, I get to pick out what I like to wear. I mean, I, just, I guess I'm not that deep yet. But what I'm saying is I believe that when I go out, the Spirit of the Lord talks to me. And he says, you see that person over there? Go pray for him. That person's sick. You see that individual over there? I want you to go help them. I want you to buy their lunch. I want you to go put gas in their car. I want you to go do this, that, and the other. And I'm walking in revelation of God. That the will of God will be manifested in me. I have to live in the unseen. I have to begin to perceive out of that. And brother and sister, I think there's a lot of us today, we're living out of what we see here, not what we see there. And if we don't get over there, the Bible says, listen, uh, let, 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 let me I'll digress again, because the Spirit of the Lord was talking to me this past week. I, I do a lot of funerals. I probably do anywhere from 25 to 30 funerals a year. 
And every time I go to a funeral, people want to know, where's my loved one? Uh, Pastor, preach a message. Tell tell me what happens in the afterlife. Uh, Tell me. Only one time in all the funerals I did in 25 years or even longer that I've been doing funerals, I had one person, one time, a lady came and declared to me that she knew where her husband was and for a fact he was in hell. Kind of took me back. Your husband's in hell? You sure? (laughs) I mean, you know, people like to tell you go to hell a lot, right? It's funny how people don't tell you go to heaven. I said, well, how do you know he's in hell? And she started telling me about all his bad attributes, and he was greedy and stingy and mean and nasty and all sorts of things. I later found out that he didn't leave some stuff to her in her will, and she was upset about it. Everybody else goes to heaven. You ever notice that everybody goes to heaven? I don't care who it is. They're in heaven. I don't care how they live. They're in heaven. Everybody, when they die, what? They go to heaven. Do do you know that if we died spiritually, right? If if we die, uh, let me say carnally, right? We begin to perceive heaven. Do you know that when your altar, when you present your flesh on that altar, you begin to perceive more of heaven? Brother and sister, listen, if you die in your flesh, you'll see more of heaven than you've ever seen it. And this is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, if we die, we see more of God. Brother and sister, did you catch that? So essential that you understand that we are now operating in that which cannot be seen. You got to get this in your head. Listen, I got to begin to function out of what I cannot see. I am now moving in the unseen of God. Are y'all there? Because it's either seen or unseen. The Bible says a carnal mind is what? Death. But a spiritual mind is life and peace. Why? Because it's operating in the unseen. Do you know that there are things in your life right now that had you seen the unseen, you'd be walking in prosperity? Did you know that there are things that you missed in God because you didn't perceive the kingdom of God? That you are now going through a labor that you wouldn't have to be laboring through. Do you know that the tension and the struggle and the strife that you have right now in your life, the problems going on in your life, is because you haven't dealt in the unseen yet? Brother and sister, do you know that if you get God's will moving in your life, everything comes with it. God's goodness comes with it. His favor is there. His provision is there. His help is there. His strength is there. His healing is there. Everything you need from God is in his will. And I'm telling you, brother and sisters, we got to begin to perceive into the unseen. Did y'all catch that? Look at your neighbor and say, you got to be in the unseen. So now let me introduce the text. <laughs> Elijah is is now on Mount Carmel. Fire just fell out of heaven. But what we really need is rain. You remember the command of Elijah. Elijah said, "It will not neither there will be neither dew nor rain until I command it." The Bible says, "I want you to watch, watch Elijah. Watch Elijah. He's going to begin to see into the unseen." The Bible says that when Elijah was up on top of Mount Carmel, he said to his servant, go out into the sea, the Mediterranean, and tell me what you see. The servant came back and he told Elijah, I see nothing. Well, somebody say nothing. Do you know that nothing is where God begins? (laughs) Y'all didn't hear me. 
Yeah, y'all didn't hear me. Nothing is where God begins. God calleth those things that are not as though they are. Did you know that you have a God who declares the end from the beginning? That from the ancient times, things that are not yet done? That your God begins at zero. And see, if you're using natural eyes, you're going to miss the unseen. God always starts at zero. Will you shout that out? God always starts at zero. Look at your name and say, God starts at nothing. How many of you know that's a great place to start at nothing? Some of you are waiting for something, but all you're going to get is nothing because that's where God starts. Because when you start at nothing, he always gets the glory for it. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying? I want you to hear that, that there was nothing. The servant came back and said, there's nothing, Elijah. I went out and there's nothing over there. And he said, listen, I want you to go back seven times. Can you imagine? Every time he came back, he said, what did you see? I saw nothing. Go back. What did you see? I saw nothing. Go back. I, I wish we were that persistent in our faith. Do, do, do you know how easy it is to give up? When you've been praying over something and nothing's happening. Do, do you know what it is, brother and sister, to be discouraged and there's things that you're trying to see change. And every time you pray, you're trying to intercede, you're trying to press through and all you see is nothing. Do I have a witness out there? Anybody ever been involved in that where all you're seeing is nothing? There's something in your life you really would like to see change. Things you want God to move in. And every time you pray and every time you believe in, all you see is Nothing. See, Elijah's in the unseen. He says, go back. Right? Fifth time. What you see? Nothing. Sixth time. What you see? Nothing. Seventh time he comes back. Well, I see a cloud. But it's really small. About the size of a hand, man's hand. He says, go tell King Ahab to get off this mountain. It's about to rain. There's going to be a big storm. Because he saw the manifestation in a little thing. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I want you to catch that, brothers and sisters, that when he saw that little thing arise over that sea, he said, it's about to rain. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain in that little thing. Think about what I just said to you. And all the little things in your life where you count for nothing at all, and that's exactly where God is starting. And just that little movement and just that little thing, God begins to do something bigger, something greater. And all it takes is for somebody to declare the will of God there in that little thing. And there's so many of us that there's things happening around us and they seem like minuscule things. Things that don't even seem to be real. But we can point our finger and say, there is God. And God is working and God is moving. And I trust the Lord in that little thing. Brother and sister, listen, until you get a hold of that little thing, you can never get the big thing. For God never entrusts you with the lot. He always entrusts you with the little to see if you'll be faithful with much. God always begins at nothing. We'll show you something little to see where your faith goes. Brother and sister, today, have you seen some little things happening in your life? Just, just, just a subtle change. You're seeing something begin to shift. Listen, you can 
declare that rain is coming. You can go ahead and take that step of faith and say, something mighty is about to happen. Something great is about to happen. God is going to do something right there. Look at what God is doing. That little thing, that little cloud rising up over the sea. Look what God's about to do. It's supernatural. It produces ability. Do, do you know that when Elijah declared that rain off that little cloud and he sent his servant to tell Ahab to get down off this mountain because there's going to be torrential rain, that the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. And he ran down faster than the chariots themselves. Now watch this. He ran down faster than the chariots about two Jezreel. And he's expecting to see this monumental change in the nation of Israel. He's expecting to see a radical change in the spirit life of the people of God. But when he got down there, he got threatened. Jezebel said, so be it. What you've done to them, I'm going to do to you. And the Bible says that when he saw that. You know, there's a lot of us today. We're seeing things we shouldn't be seeing. We're being disrupted by the threats of mankind. Listen, I know you have to realize that, that Elijah, he thought there was going to be a, a revival in Israel. I mean, you can imagine going through all of that, calling fire out of heaven and dispatching rain. He thought that when he got down to Jezreel, people would be in sackcloth and ash, praising God, glorifying God. But rather what happened, he was threatened. And he said, I've done all of that and there's been no change. He was expecting much more. And instead, what happened was his life was threatened. Brothers and sisters, think how long the kingdom of God has been moving. Anybody ever, anybody ever take an account for all of the word of God? For, for all that it's amassed? You would think we've gone a lot further than where we've gone. Have you ever thought about your life in spiritual terms? You know, I'm a pastor. I've been pastoring 25 years. I thought I'd be a lot further along than where I am. You ever looked, you ever surveyed your life? You ever looked about where you are, where you're walking, the things going on with you? You thought you'd be a lot better off than where you are now. We look and we say, man, I, I wish, you know, if this would have happened, that would have happened. I wish this, that, and the other. And we begin to think about what we thought should have happened. But you are in the reality where you are. And the enemy wants to take your eyes off where God has you. Elijah was discouraged. He was so discouraged when they threatened his life. He thought he would have been welcomed. He thought he would have been saluted. He thought people would have changed their mind. But instead, the Bible says he took off. He ran to Bathsheba, left his servant there, and went a day's journey and sat under a juniper tree. And he said to the Lord, I'd rather die. He said, I'm no better than my father's. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever took into account all that God has done? You'd think we'd be a lot further along. I mean, have you ever thought about all that God has done for you? I mean, God's done a lot for you. There are things that, there's, there's things that God has done for you that you don't even know about, that God delivered you out of something that you didn't even know you needed to be delivered from. And God has done mighty, wonderful, tremendous things in your life. And sometimes the enemy will look at you and say, well, look where you're at. Look at what you're going through. Look at your problems. Look at your situation. 
Never mind that God's been faithful. How many today will say, Pastor, God's been faithful to me? Yeah, God's been faithful. God's been faithful. God's done it. God, God, God's been good to me, man. I, I, I've done a lot of wrong. How many today would say, I'm my biggest problem. I, I am where I am because of what I am. Listen, there's been some things in my life. I've delayed the Lord. I've, I've created the hiccups. I've made bad decisions. I haven't always walked with God. I haven't always listened to God. I've done some things contrary to the mind of God. And it's amazing that I even got to where I am right now. That's spiritual talk, somebody. That's spiritual language. How many know today that you're thankful where you are, where you are because the grace of God brought you there? Amen. Most of you spent half of your life running around. You had no consideration of God. And it's only been in the last couple of weeks that you've really been thinking about God. Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. You, you. you only think about God on Sunday morning, so quit your talking. Can you imagine if we really got busy with God? Can you imagine if you started to see the unseen? Can you imagine what our lives would be like if we begin to perceive that which is in heaven and begin to draw that which is in heaven and brought it down to earth? Can you imagine how visible God would be, not just here in Mansfield, but how about in your own house, right there in your own home, right there in your own marriage, right there with your own kids? Can you imagine if we really got busy with the things of God and started declaring the things of God, even in those little things, started celebrating God, said, let me tell you what God's about to do. Let me tell you how good God is. And we started celebrating the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm talking about little things in your life. You're waiting for something monumental to happen. You got lots to be thankful for. That's why the Bible says the day has become less than a miracle than what it is. It's through repetition. You know, God's been faithful to you. Think about all the meals he's given you lately. Anybody ate some meals lately? I look around, I know we haven't missed too many of them. God's been faithful. Think, think, think of about how, how little we put in and how much God puts out. Think about today, you got up and had vitality. Think of today that you, you had thought, you had capacity. All, all these little things that you take for granted. Uh, you got up today and your legs worked, your arms worked, your eyes were working. We take all the, they're miracles in themselves. We take them for granted. Listen, God works in that little thing. And Elijah said, listen, and he saw that little thing. He said, listen, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain out of something little. Listen, friend, when's the last time you've praised the Lord over something little? Just that little change that you needed. A sign that God was working in it. Just that little thing. Man, I'm not talking about no big thing in your life. I'm talking about little things going on around you. Brother and sister, listen, you, you got you to gotta gather in. Listen, that God is working. How many believe God's at work? I believe God's at work. I want you to see that here's Elijah, and he's so disgusted with, with all the grandeur of God. This is, this is the grandiose. He's calling fire out of heaven. Water, rain is coming, torrential rain. The drought is over. Nobody's celebrating God. And in fact, he's being threatened. So he's under that juniper tree. He said, man, I'm finished. I've had it. I quit. I'm no better than my father's. Elijah perceived that if he can get over to Mount Horeb, and the Bible says that God co-labored with that. He wanted to come to a place, uh, an intimate place. How many have ever gone into a place of prayer where you said, I, I, I got to get out of my prayer closet. I'm going to go, you know, I, sometimes I'll go up to Prayer Mountain. Y'all know what Prayer Mountain is, right? Prayer Mountain and Grand Prairie. Sometimes I'll go to Prayer Mountain and just pray. 
Because sometimes I just need a little change. I feel like I got to press in a little closer. And I'll go to Prayer Mountain. I'll just be praying with God. And so God sustained him there. When he got there, what he heard from God surprised him. He simply asked him, what are you doing here? I didn't ask you to come. How did you get here? I didn't ask you to leave Mount Carmel. We still got work to do. You, you, you know the problem that we have as believers? Is we think God's going to do things our way. We, we think that we can go to God and tell God, God, this is how you need to do it. And do it by Friday. Because I want to enjoy my weekend. Anybody here, Isaiah? 55th chapter. If you want to open it, you can open it there. I'll quote it to you. Everybody knows these passages. This is what God says. Isaiah 55. I just, just kind of know chapter, but you can look at the verse. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are far above the earth, so are my ways above yours and my thoughts above your thoughts. God doesn't think like you. And he's not going to work it out you think, the way you think God's going to work it out. And God is not going to take your advice on the matter. So shut up. God doesn't want to hear what you have to say about that. You're not going to say, God, let me tell you, I figured out a better way to do it. He's God. He doesn't need your help. This is what God says. As the rain cometh down, right, and the snow from heaven, and watereth the earth. He says, return, return not to this, but watereth the earth. That it may bring forth in bud, that it might give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish whatsoever I please. And it shall prosper, listen, and it shall prosper into the thing where I sent it. How many of you know God's ways will prosper? So important that you lay hold of this, that the will of God will prosper in you. That if we just do it God's way, don't worry about trying to figure it out. Don't worry about how God's going to do it. Just say, I know that God's behind the work. And the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that are called according, right? That love God, that are called according to his purpose. Will you say it out loud? All things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. God's going to work it out. God's going to work it out. God is working on it right now. God works in ways you cannot see. God is behind the scenes. God is doing something phenomenal. God is moving in something. You might not see it right now because it's only Sunday, but you just wait till Friday show up. You're going to see the fullness of the manifestation of the hand of God. You're going to see the fullness of the manifestation of the hand of God. The fullness because God's working in something little. God's working in something little. Oh, I run out of time. I'll close with this. There's a story of the disciples when they were walking with Jesus, Jesus being a little hungry. The, the Bible says that Jesus went over to a fig tree to examine that tree, to get some fruit from a fig from that tree. But when he went, he saw that there were leaves. It looked like it would be fruitful, productive. But when he got there, he, he looked about the branches and the leaves and found no figs. And so Jesus said, 
Jesus cursed the tree and said it would never bear uh, fruit again, and he left. I, 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 I know the disciples must have looked back. The tree looked as though it was not cursed. It was under the curse of Christ. It wasn't until the next day that they went back and they noticed that the tree had been withered. And in fact, the disciples said, look, Jesus, the tree is withered from its root. So God first worked in the thing you couldn't see. He first worked in the unseen. And so Jesus says, does that surprise you? Did you know that if you have a little grain of mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to move, a tree to uproot itself? He said, well, let me tell you something about how faith works. God won't give you anything unless you believe you have it. Let me say that one more time. God will never give you anything unless you believe you have it, even though you don't see it. Let me say that one more time because people don't know what faith is. God will never give anything to you until you believe you have it, even though you don't have it. Let me say that one more time. That's blowing your mind, right? That God said, unless you believe you have it, then you won't receive it. You have to first have to believe that you have it, then I'll give it to you. You first have to believe in the unseen before the thing that you're believing for becomes seen. You got something in your life right now that you need to change? Believe that you have it. Anybody got something going on in your world right now that you wish would change and you're needing God to step in and do something and when you pray, you keep praying the same old prayer. It's been three years you've been praying the same prayer and God is saying, when are you going to believe that you have it? I can't give it to you until you understand the unseen then I can manifest it in the seen world. Listen, do you know that if you pray and look up after you pray to see if you got what you prayed for, you don't have it. Because anybody that prays and believes that they have it, when they walk out of they say, let me tell you what God has done. Even though the thing that you're declaring hasn't been manifested. I'm talking to somebody. I think there's a lot of people in here that God has been asking me to ask you, what are you doing here? Why are you here? What are you doing? Don't you know that your life could change it? You begin to believe that I'm able to do that, which I said I'd do. That you could begin to declare and make reference to what is unseen and make what is unseen seen in this present age. I'm talking to somebody who needs to see healing in your life. I'm talking for somebody who needs to see their children break through. I'm talking for somebody in financial distress. I'm talking to somebody in a bad marital crisis. That if you can declare this morning, my God is able. My God is here. My God has done it. My God works in that. And just that little thing, say, my God is able. God will manifest himself there. God will manifest himself there. Come on, stand with me. I got to close down. Come on, stand up with me. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. Just real quickly, stand up with me. Right where you are, right where you are, right where you are. I've got to close. Come on. Right where you are. This is where we are. This is where we are. God, we are here. We are here in your house. Father, we're here. We're here. The children of God, the people of God. We don't need to see nothing big. Come on, pray with me. Father, we don't need to see something monumental. Father, we don't need to see fire fall from heaven yet. <laughs> Father, we're going to start at nothing. The Spirit of the Lord sent me here because somebody today is going to start at nothing. I'm going to show you why. Listen, you're in a marital crisis, and you're saying, Pastor, I don't see 
no way how this matter can be resolved. My, my marital status is at ground zero. Today, you just got a revelation of God's word in your life. That God sent me to tell you he's starting right there. He's starting at nothing. See, some people may not believe that. See, I can already tell doubts. But, but Lord, you don't know all the d- details. Let me explain something. God, God knows it all. He knows the details more than you know the details. He knows the intricacies of your problems and your situations much greater than you could even fathom to know them. You see, his thoughts aren't your thoughts and his ways aren't your ways. You're at ground zero. You got a problem. The doctor said that you've got an issue, a physical issue, and you are at ground zero this morning. God is saying, that's where I start, right there at nothing. I sense somebody laid hold of that right there. I I sense liberty in the spirit right now that somebody laid hold of that. God, you know, how easy it is. Listen, brother, I always say this to myself. How easy it is to start at nothing. Listen, God's inviting you to come in with nothing. And he says, I'm going to do it for you. You believe me? You believe me? Listen, somebody might be here today. The Spirit was telling me this week that you see a little bit of an improvement, a a little thing. Today you can declare the abundance, the sound of the abundance of rain. 